For the first time ever, I am thrilled to say we have an official sponsor for the Dirk Talk podcast, and that's Ariat. I've worn Ariat boots on every job site I've visited over the years, traveling in them across five continents. More importantly, I have yet to find a single project where working folks, unlike me, are not wearing Ariat boots and workwear in every condition imaginable. And there's really good reason for that. And that's because it's phenomenal stuff. And the more I've learned about Ariat and the company, the more I've loved their brand. So with this, Ariat is offering any Dirt Talk listener 10% off their next Ariat order at ariat.com slash Dirt Talk. That's 10% off boots, jeans, and workwear at ariat.com slash Dirt Talk or at the link in this episode's description. With that, let's get to the show. Hello and welcome back to the Dirt Talk Podcast Monday edition, episode 67.5. Mm-hmm. I am the host of the podcast, Aaron Witt, on a mission to make the dirt world a better place and joined by my co-host, Alex Horton. Howdy. At the kitchen table in the BuildWit Studios, as always. BuildWit Studios in quote fingers. Yes, until we actually have BuildWit Studios complete. It's going to be so great. It's going to be so great, and we keep talking about it. It hasn't happened yet. It's like I've been waiting for Christmas for a very long time now. It's like it's like Christmas Eve, but every single day. Yeah. And it's starting to it's starting to wear on me. But then also I'm like, hey, just enjoy the process. Don't hurry up too much. Just mm-hmm. savor every single day because this isn't gonna happen again. But then I also say this isn't gonna happen again, knowing that it's probably gonna happen again. It's probably gonna happen again. S- somewhat soon. So but that's a, that's another conversation. However, I do think that there it's a bigger deal to go from zero to one offices than to go from one to two offices. Correct. Or at least to get all this out of your house. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just, it's just, it's relieving to know that I'm soon going to have a space in which I can go to work, which is, I, ha- I mean, I haven't done that in many years now. Yeah. It's, I've been working from home for over three years, which is kind of crazy. And what's good is you can also not go to work. You can work, just be like, hey, I just need to knock out some stuff. I'll just hang here. Yeah, you know, it's yeah, it's normal. Yeah. But I, I <clears throat> know knowing the this what the space is going to be and who I am, I will be in there very consistently. Yeah, and I'll be the first one in there every single morning just to prove a point <laughs> yeah, like, that I work harder <clears throat> than everybody else. It's eight oh one. Yeah, I'm the only one in here. I, uh, I hope I'm not the only one in there by eight oh one. We'll see. Let's let's pray. Um. Is there going to be an external sign for BuildWit on the side of the building? Yeah, I negotiated that into the lease. They did. We didn't have signage rights, and I was like, no, 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 no. No, we're going to need that. <laughs> we're going to need some <laughs> signage rights, okay? And they uh, they were happy to provide us with something the pretty rights. fair. Cool. Yeah, yeah we're actually um, we're meeting with the sign people again this week to discuss the the final look and feel, Very and cool. then we need to go get another permit because that's how it is. Yeah, they're like, hey, if we could make more money, why not? Yeah, you get a permit, or they could just put the lights in like the back of your truck, and then it just gets hung, and then all of a sudden it's there. But instead, they would like you to have a permit. 
Yeah. Yeah. Why do you need a permit? There's no good reason other than that's just how it is. Like that's that's how they like to do it. So that's pretty exciting. Um, I had a friend this week ask um, if I work for BuildWit. I said, yes. I said, yeah. okay. I saw a big truck downtown that had a BuildWit sticker on the side. I was pretty confident who um, was driving the truck. Was it this past weekend? I don't know if I was downtown. That might've been Eric Jumper and Angel. They've been driving uh, He said on truck. Shelby, but close to downtown. Oh, that was me. And so I like the, I like the little bit of the, the brand recognition. It is... It is funny. I was actually, I was on the highway the other day. I think this was last week, end of last week. And some guy was honking at me. And I was like, what, what the hell is this guy's deal? And we were in traffic. It was pretty slow, like mm-hmm. almost start stop. So I was almost stopped on the highway and he drives right up next to me. He's like waving at me and giving me thumbs up, like great work, great work. <laughs> and we're, we're, we're on the interstate and I'm just sitting there. I'm like, what is happening right now? But I think he recognized the truck. Sure. Or he was telling me to fuck myself. Or but maybe he I thought you were it, a great driver. He's like, man, yeah, great work. Yeah, yeah, Good job. yeah. You're just doing a, that was an awesome merge, man. <laughs> I don't know if that was it. Uh, so that was funny. Or, you know, I get pictures of the trucks sent to me. Sure. Quite frequently it's these like, days. Hey, this you? You're like, yeah, that, that's me. I was getting coffee. Yes. Um, I flew to uh, Denver, Colorado this past weekend. And That's on, right. on the flight out there, there was uh, a guy who he had his hard hat on the back of his backpack, got onto the plane, and he had um, plans for what's like a, a neighborhood or something like that. And I almost introduced myself and be like, hey, you ever heard of Dirt Talk Podcast? I'm on that. He, he probably has. <laughs> he probably recognized I you, been but humiliated. was too, too shy <laughs> to say anything. It's like, man. That's the co-host of Dirt Talk. Holy shit, that's Aaron Witt. (laughs) (laughs) Trick. That's funny. Alex is about a foot taller than I am. Yeah, we're not going to get confused. No, no. But that is, um, you know, I I try to travel with my hard hat in my my bag. Mm -hmm. I have the same duffel I've used for years now. It's not very big. And I've, 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 it's a system that I have developed over many, many hundreds of trips now. And it's just dialed. So almost every time I can fit my hard hat in my bag. The only time I can't is when I'm traveling for more than a week or it's really cold and I need to bring extra clothing. Yeah. Um, So then in that case, I'll have my hard hat on my backpack. And uh, it's kind of like this little flex, you know, driving, they're walking through the airport. Like he must be somebody. Yeah. Yeah. I have a hard hat. What about it? Guess what's in this backpack? cameras. (laughs) cameras. <laughs> yeah. 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 Not that anyone cares or not that I do any actual work, Yeah, but it's, it's a little something you're like, yeah, check out the hard hat. Mm-hmm. And everybody, everybody asked me, are you a contractor? No, I'm not. And I like, and, and listen, man, like we're standing in line here. I'd love to get into it, but we're going to be right there to check <laughs> just, my boarding pass. I just pass, don't want to do like an autograph. 15 man. seconds. I, yeah. we, we can talk, but yeah. I don't want to do autographs. Yeah, please, please. No pictures, no pictures. <laughs> no, it's just, it's just a, um, it's a, it's a little bit of an explanation, but that's just my my ego and my heart at the at the airport. That's that story. Just how it is. Um, you've got some travel coming up that's pretty cool. I do. Yeah, very did we, cool. Did we talk about it on the last podcast? Maybe just, hinted at just it. Just hinted at it. Yeah, yeah. We we've talked about it, so I don't want to beat a dead horse, but um, I'm 
definitely, I'm going to the Caterpillar facilities in North Carolina this week. Um, it's I'm finally going, here. It's fine. Yeah, it's finally here. Yeah. Well, and by this time, but when people are listening to this podcast, I've already done it. Um, but yes, I'm going on current present time. It'll be Wednesday, Thursday. Mm-hmm. We're flying out first thing Thursday morning. Um, they're flying us out, which is going to be pretty cool. Fly right into Raleigh, get in a van, go straight to the skid steer track loader plant, tour the track loader, see my machine on the line, sign my machine on the line. Hell yeah. And then um, from there, do, I don't know. We, we have something. And then the next day, I think we go to Clayton and see the wheel loader backhoe plant mm-hmm. and then do a whole afternoon of stick time with the latest and greatest equipment at their demo facility in Clayton, which is pretty a pretty neat spot. And we have, from what I'm told, Kind of the place to ourselves. That's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. So it's me, Matt Briscoe is coming to film the whole thing. Mm-hmm. So good news. We will have a Build With Vlog episode on YouTube featuring our visit to Caterpillar. Oh yeah. We've spoken with them in advance, told them what we're trying to do. They've kind of said yes. So we'll see what we can get away with. Sure. In like a pot, like just what we can film, what we can't yeah. is what I'm saying. Not I'm going to do something crazy. You're not going to run a wheel loader like off a cliff and jump out at the last second. No, that was awesome. None of that. Uh, But that's an upcoming safety video we're creating (laughs) trick. No, that's just the old school safety videos. Yeah. Um, Shake hands with danger. If You've never seen it. Check it out. Uh, And then, yeah, so, so it'll be, uh, it'll be me, Matt and Eric jumper. Unfortunately, somehow weaseled his way into coming on the trip. So, is he coming to Nashville in order to fly out there with you? Or yeah, he's already here. Okay, he's already here. Um, well, that's going to be sick. Cannot wait for the vlog episode. Um, I'll tell you, I was more impressed and more interested in, in the vlog than I thought I would be. Matt did a really good job. I mean, and that was his first video ever. Yeah. Like, he's never made a real video before like that. So I, I can just like, okay, you've clearly been watching videos from Angel and James. Like you're, you've, you've got the vibe. Yeah. Like he, I shit you not the week or two before that trip, he went and bought all of that, the video camera, all the equipment, microphone, everything had never really used it. Had mm-hmm. messed around with it a little bit at home and then came out to California for a week and just made it up. And I was like, I was like, I think this might turn into something. Cause if that's <laughs> the starting point, yeah, if that's as bad as it's going to get, we're headed in a pretty cool direction. Well, one thing we know about Briscoes, we have three of them who work at BuildWit. They're going to figure it out and work hard on it. Yeah, yeah, they 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 figure it out. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm just I'm I'm very excited about it. Yeah. And and so you know, there's a lot of room for improvement, which is what I'm excited sure. about on his side and my side because I am somewhat comfortable on audio setting right now on a podcast setting. I'm comfortable talking to people. I'm comfortable traveling, taking pictures, doing whatever I do. But being on camera is a different ball game. Sure. And I've done a little bit of it, but not enough. So I'm still not to where I'm extremely comfortable and natural. 
Talking but, into a camera, I think, is like kind of intimidating. It's weird versus like being filmed in a conversation. Correct. But like, I, yeah, I can, right I can do that all, all day yeah. long. But yeah, talking to the camera is tough. Um, so the only way to get better at it is to do it more. Yep. So in theory, they should get better. And also, in a in a in a uh, you know to to highlight something positive about the the videos as well. We didn't get shit on too much on YouTube and the on the YouTube comment section. It's often a toxic place. It's ridiculous. People are so, so mean on YouTube. I don't know what it is about YouTube. Like Instagram, every once in a while you get someone that'll that'll come on and, and start to be an asshole. You're like, all right, you know, yeah. That, yeah, someone's having a bad day. But on YouTube, people, they're just like, they're just assholes for yeah. no reason. And there's a lot of them. Well, on YouTube, it's, it's one of the last like popular places on the internet where you're not your you're not like yourself. Like you can you can have your account be just Alex Horton or Aaron Witt, but you can also just make it be a, a random username. Yes. Because the, the internet has moved to a place where you want that transparency. Whereas, you know, when when we were like kids, your parents is like never put your real information on the internet. Yeah. And now it's like the opposite of that. And but I think that YouTube is a place where you can still kind of hide behind um, your computer screen and no one will ever know who you are and you can say whatever you want with what feels like no repercussions. Yeah. I mean, I I, I think most of the mean comments are funny at this point. Yeah. I'm I'm to the point and I've been doing this long enough to be like, that's hilarious. <laughs> like they're bent <laughs> out of shape joke. about yeah. that. Yeah. Um, but also I, I cry myself to sleep every night. Sure. And that just comes with trying to make a vlog, man. You're just trying to put out content. That's all you care about. <laughs> I'm just trying to serve, and yet it's not good enough. So maybe, maybe we'll make the people happy one day. Actually, that's a stupid thought, and something that will never happen. No one will ever be happy. <laughs> that's true. Just no one's ever going to be happy. Um, at that, would you like to move into some questions? I would love to move. Well, I will wait to talk about my travel next week. On the next episode, I think that's because a good one. I have something extremely exciting and surreal coming up. Mm-hmm. But I'll save it for the next one. Yeah, I think you're going to want to have to have already done that stuff before you. Well, I want to I want to explain what I'm doing beforehand, and I'll do that, and then I'll talk about it after I go as well. But yeah, there's a three day event coming up in St. Louis that I'm attending, and I don't think I've ever been this excited to go on any trip ever. And it has nothing to do with pictures or heavy equipment even, which is saying a lot. You heard it here, folks. Aaron's excited to go on a trip. Yes. So stay tuned for, for the next episode. We'll get into it. Well, that's exciting. And now to the questions. Do, 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 do. I know the way the can way you, I set that up. Can you put in a little question jingle? Yeah, that would be really this fun. One? Yeah. Okay. 100%. So cue the jingle right now. That's a pretty good jingle, huh? That that was a great jingle. It just feels right. Okay. All right. First question from Mike Olivieri. He asks. 
I'd like to hear more about wage discrepancy in the U.S. For example, comparing operator rates in the Northeast to the South. Outside of states being right to work or not, why is there such a huge wage discrepancy and do you see this changing in the future? That's a fantastic question. So as he pointed out, right to work uh, makes a big difference. Mm -hmm. So non-union areas are lower. That said, being in the union is there are costs to being in the union that, and so a lot of times they say you make it a lot more money, but that's not always true to non-union areas. And even when you have non-union contractors working in a union area, they typically match the pay scale to just be competitive and, and play by the rules. Yeah. So there's not, there's not a lot of that. I think the biggest reasons why are, um, the, the states that pay the most and places that pay the most have the highest cost of living. So like the Bay Area, Seattle, Chicago, um, the, the Northeast, the entire Northeast is, is, pays a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Um, like, you know, the whole state of California pays a lot of money just because it's, it's a much higher cost of living there. Just to have the same, uh, same have the same house in, in California compared to Colorado, it's a big difference. Um, so you need to make a lot more money to live the same quality of life. And that's just where that that state sits. Um, and a lot of times it's just a, I don't know. I think it's just a, what's going on in the marketplace and, and where people are at, which is a bummer um, that some areas pay so little. I know the areas in the United States that pay probably the lowest is, you know the South is is tough as far as what you get hourly. You're you're not a lot of times over too far over minimum wage, which is a bummer. And the argument is they can't pay more than what their competitors are paying because they're bidding against their competitors on everything. So if they're using a higher rate within their estimates, they're just going to continue to lose. And now we don't have work for our people. So we either pay at this rate or we just don't employ people is the conventional argument. Now, is that going to win long-term? No, but it's stuck in this shitty cycle of, yeah, comparing to the other companies in that region and establishing that as the norm. The, the interesting thing is pay is a very complicated issue because it's not as simple as, well, if you just want the best people in a region, you just can walk in the door and start paying everybody $10 or more than it, $10 more an hour than anyone else. Because obviously you get in the economics of it, you won't be able to win work and you won't be able to be economical compared to other contractors in that area. But then two, it's, um, it comes down to a, like a, a cultural issue too. And I've studied wages in different countries and like people in the United States will want to come in and pay someone that makes a dollar fifty an hour in some country five dollars an hour because wow that's still so much cheaper than the United States. But the government will step in and stop that from happening because it will cause massive social issues if there's that much of a change yeah. brought on that quickly. So you have to gradually adjust as time goes on, and I think the smart contractors are going to gradually adjust and continue to push wages higher and higher 
based on increasing their efficiency. If they can do more with less man hours, then they can pay everybody more for those man hours. Mm -hmm. And that's the way you can push rates higher while maintaining your competitive edge in the marketplace. It's a tricky subject. I don't mm -hmm. know. But it, you know, to just answer the, the, the face value question, where are rates the highest? They're in the most densely populated places and states with the highest cost of living. So California, uh, Washington State, Chicago area, uh, all the, the upper Northeast and especially union areas are definitely a lot higher than, than other areas. And then the South is by far the lowest I've seen. Mm -hmm. South Carolina, Georgia, Mississippi, Louisiana, Alabama. It's, it, it's tough to get paid quite a bit down there. Is it changing? Absolutely. Like I know, you know, Rogers Group, they made that acquisition that we're going to talk about on the podcast with Mr. Anthony Garcia. Mm -hmm. and, and one of the big things they, they first adjusted was they evened out wages and, and adjusted wages to where they think that they should be um, compared to their other regions, which is a huge step in the right direction mm -hmm. and a very, very positive thing. So it's starting to happen and it needs to happen yeah. to attract more people. It's just a matter of how and when. Yeah, that's tough. I mean, is there much difference between just wage discrepancy in general by region or like? Not really. No, I, I, uh, I mean like even, see, even in union areas, the non-union contractors typically pay what? Around the same. Around the same. And, and because they wouldn't have a workforce otherwise. Yeah. And the other thing is sometimes there's, there's a wage scale and everybody pays the same wage scale. You know, you have your, your, your scale that you're stuck to on specific projects, federal projects. Mm -hmm. And so that's just what you pay. So everybody's on the same playing field there. So there's, no, there's no discrepancy. No question either. Just like this is what it costs to do this project. This is what it costs to pay these people. Correct. I feel like we've had a number of questions lately that don't really have a great answer. But like but that are, are clear like an identified issue in, in the industry. They're they're fantastic questions. Mm -hmm. I think the biggest problem is that I'm not um, a fantastic spokesperson the industry a lot of times and I'm still very naive and young. So I'm trying to do my best based on the experience and what I've seen. But yeah, that's a lot of this is why I'm so frustrated because I see these challenges, see these problems and there's not really an answer for a lot of them and it pisses me off. And that's why I started the company was to try to provide some answers and we still have a long ways to go. Mm -hmm. So we haven't been able to answer all of these questions yet. But I also think it's it's part of our mission to identify those issues, yeah, know, and to help our partners and, and other companies in the industry um, identify those things. And that's the only way to make the dirt world better is if we we know what needs to be better in the first place. Yeah, and the you know what's weird around here too, and and the scale is a lot of companies they they keep what they pay people secretive, and I feel like that hurts everybody too. Uh, it it hurts the marketplace and. It's just the competitive nature of this industry, how you're bidding up against everybody and everybody's a competitor. It it has a lot of consequences to it that are not good for the people. Mm -hmm. Tricky. 
is tricky. I, I, I like I said, I, I wish I could answer these better, but I'm just giving it my best shot, and maybe something will come of it. Well, I appreciate you reaching out, Mike. Next question. I'm going to give you initials on this one. It's from JW. The small company I entered at last summer recently lost one of their best workers to one of the sexy industry giants. That small company, at least right now, will never be able to go head-to-head with that enormous company. So what can they do to stay competitive and be attractive to the best, quote-unquote, rock star employees who have big aspirations? Yeah, the... What they can do, I mean... And it's interesting because a lot of these question, questions come back to the same answer is they can focus on why people work there. They can care for their people more. They can intentionally hammer home, hey, this is why you're here. They can show appreciation for people. They can tell their story, make it exciting for people to be there. They can offer the ability for other people to help tell the story of the business there's a lot they can do that can compete with the big companies. And it's like the big companies, yeah, they're sexy. They have the biggest projects possible, but they also have some of the most unsustainable lifestyles possible. And the, a lot of the people go to these big companies because they're caught up in that big, sexy appeal. And then they realize, wow, this is not sustainable, especially when they get, you know, two, three kids at home and mm-hmm. a wife and like, woof, I can't be doing this long term. And that's when those smaller companies become a lot more appealing. And, you know, one of the biggest things people say about the, the small companies we work with is that, you know, you're, you're not just a number is, the, is yeah. the term that's thrown around all the time. And so as a small business, if you can reinforce the fact that your people are not just numbers through social media, through a newsletter, through a recognition, through awards, through appreciation dinners, through training opportunities, through a podcast internally through executives visiting sites recently to just shake people's hands, which yeah. I know is un- unpopular in 2021. Shaking hands? That kind of stuff is, is yeah, joke, joke, <laughs> not in this world. Uh, that's the kind of stuff that will set a smaller company well apart from one of those bigger companies and keep and retain people, I think. You have to focus on what's in your control. Are you ever, as a smaller company, and especially maybe you don't want to be a huge company, are you ever going to go be building billion-dollar jobs? Are you ever going to be using PC2000s to, to excavate material on a highway job? No, you're not. You can't control that. What can you control? The level in which you tell your story, cultivate pride in your work, in your business, appreciate your people, cultivate that family atmosphere, reinforce that people are not just a number. I think that's how you stay competitive. Yeah. Right on. I think you're right that a lot of these questions do come down to the same things, but that's also why we're in business in the first place is because what we do. it's what we do. Yeah. If everyone had the answer, we wouldn't be doing a whole lot. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, well, that was a great question. We'd Thank still, you. We'd still be podcasting. And we'd still be podcasting. Never get, never give up on the podcast. No. Um, well, that's a great question. Thank you. All right, third question. These are these are all very well thought out. These are very good questions. And we had we just got off. Uh, we have an internal podcast. We just cut an internal podcast episode before this. 
and we have internal questions in which anybody at the company can ask any kind of question at any time. And those questions were also extraordinarily thoughtful. Yeah, this is this has been a pretty good day. A very good day. And I've had to think a lot. <laughs> uh, well, you're going to love this question. So one of your favorite topics. And I'm not not exaggerating. Please don't say general contractors. It's not, it's not at all. Okay, good. We got into that in the last episode. Yep. I'm, I'm telling the truth. This is one of your favorite topics. You ready? This is from, uh, we'll say it's from Joe. First of all, he says, big fan of the podcast and the work that you and your team do. Hey. All right, question. I'm a big fan of you, Joe. You're going to like this question. I'm telling you, you're gonna be, you are a big fan of Joe. My question for the podcast is when slash how do you ask for a raise and how much? I work 50 plus hours a week and take work home often. I see kids my age working in the field that make more than me plus overtime. When is it okay to ask for more money? I think my biggest dilemma is that I know how much people in the field make because I do a lot of pricing, but I have no idea how much people in my position make at my company or anywhere else. This is an awesome question. A great one. Yeah, I... And and I Alex says this is an awesome question because of the internal financial calls that we have as a business. Mm-hmm. And I I mean I, I I make the point every single time, every single financial call we have that, hey, talk about money. It's not a scary topic. Like if you're if you feel like you're underpaid, talk about it. If you're struggling, talk about it. If you have a question about a contract, talk about it. Like yeah. money should be something that's discussed because that's how this whole thing works. The only boundary you've really drawn is I'm not going to post a spreadsheet of how much everybody makes. That's it. Yeah. But but You're otherwise, like, other than that, let's do it. Otherwise, there's no secret information at the business. Mm-hmm. Anyone at any time can ask what any contract value is, anything, anything, which I think is extraordinarily important. And we express the importance of confidentially and confidentiality internally. I don't want that information getting out, but. And, and it's a risk to put that information out there, but at, at the same time, I think it's riskier not to put the information out there. Mm-hmm. So just side note there, that's why Alex says, it's. I love the subject. So first step in, in getting a raise is to earn it. Bust your ass and put yourself in a position in which when you ask for a raise, they can't say no if you're in the right. And, mm-hmm. and so every time, you know, I've been approached about this subject and someone said, you know, hey, I, I just want to talk about money, talk about salary. And if me, me as the employer, if I'm like, yeah, they've been busting their ass, they've earned this, I have, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to give them a raise. I like giving out raises. I think it's a really, that's probably one of my favorite things to do as a business owner because it's more an investment into people. It's showing them my dedication to them. It's rewarding them for, additional value within the business. It's, it's, it's a lot of fun to be able to see someone's income grow within the company and to see, yeah, see where people start and, and where they're starting to go now. It's, it's just really cool to see. But yeah, step one is like, do what you do, what you're doing right now. So you put yourself in a position where it's, it's undisputed that you are worth more. And that you are leveling up and that you are putting points on the board, as I say it, and that you are delivering tremendous value to the business. So if you're doing that and you're truly, you know, you can look yourself in the mirror and sit there and say, I am busting my ass right now. I am giving it everything I got and I am delivering results. If you can truly do that, then go schedule a time with whomever you report to and have an honest conversation about it. It's not something that you need to be afraid to talk about. And I get why people are afraid to talk about it. 
we're trying to undo that within our business and try to talk about it as much as we can so it just becomes normalized in our worlds. But set aside the time to, to talk about it. Hey, I, I've been doing all of this and I think I'm I'm worth more. What can we do here? Mm-hmm. I, I, I want to make more. Or, you know, even if it's, hey, I eventually want to make this amount of money. How do I get there? You know, say you're making $50,000 and you want to make $100,000. Talk, talk to your boss. Hey, how do I do this? Like, I want to get up to here. What do I need to do to make that happen? Mm-hmm. Have that conversation. Or, hey, I've, I've been busting my ass. I think I'm... I think I'm worth more. And it's like where I'm going in life. You know, I had another kid. I, my cost of living is different. Like just be honest because it should be a positive conversation. It should be a very positive thing. And if you know that you've been delivering and have absolutely no reservations about what you're putting in, you should not have the anxiety. You should know that this is earned and this is not an unreasonable ask of me. And if you don't even know where to start, there's a lot of information on the internet nowadays where you can go out and research. Like say you're a project engineer and you want to go to project manager, you can go Google what project managers make on the internet and go get averages and you're going to get a range that's somewhat general, but it's probably going to give you a decent idea of where you should be. Mm -hmm. Um, So so go on the internet, look, ask people. I I, I ask people about their salary all the time because I'm an employer and I'm just curious about what people make in the marketplace yeah. for what they do. And I, I don't think I've ever had anybody not tell me what they make. And some people say that's rude to ask someone what they make. I don't think so because I'm just genuinely curious. I'm just, I'm just trying to feel out the marketplace for where it's at and for what people are doing. I'm like, that is fascinating. Mm-hmm. So maybe it's rude, but I don't think it's rude. And I talk to people about that all the time. Are you somebody who would walk into someone's house and say, how much did you spend on this house? No. Uh, yeah, actually, yes. <laughs> yeah. I, I I do. I just like talking about money. Yeah. And I, I think it's fascinating not to be like, to compare what I have versus them or like, I don't, I don't, it's not, it's just out of like genuine curiosity for, yeah. Like, what'd you pay for this house? Like, how much did you put down? Like, what was your rate? You know? Yeah, how, that's cool super cool. It's also just like an adult thing. Like I, I recently spent some time with a friend who we went to college together and then we were recently talking about, uh, the interest rate we got on our refinance. And it was like, man, this is what I'm into now. Love yeah. it. I was talking to a guy the other day. He just bought a, a, bought another company. And the first question I asked was, so how'd you, how'd you make it happen? Because I know like the company he bought was pretty similar to the size of his company. So like, it's like, how'd you finance that and how'd the deal work out and what was it structured like? I just, I love that kind of stuff. And even if you're not a business owner, just learning more about money and how it operates will do you so much good in life because everybody has it. Everybody needs it. It's just a fact of life. So that's how I'd ask, or that's how I would put that. And then if you, if you deliver, if you go ask for more money and they tell you to fuck yourself, Maybe that's maybe that's a time to to reevaluate where you are, As, but only if you know that you did the right thing and you put in everything you had to do. There's a lot of entitlement, so you don't deserve anything. Mm-hmm. You need to earn it, and so that's why I'm not saying you know make sure that you're earning it before you ever ask for it. Because is it possible in this industry to like be able to lay out your value in like specifics or more just like this is what people in this kind of position make. I'm, I know that I'm doing a really, really good job at it. Or is it like, 
I'm this, I'm this good at running this machine and it's showing that we're finishing projects this much faster. Like is, is there, are there specifics to those kinds of conversation or is it more you can, intangible? You could quantify it um, a lot of times, but it's like in a salaried position, it's probably a lot more difficult to quantify it than if you're a blade hand, for example. And you're like, I want more money an hour. But I see this question as, you know, they're a salaried position. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's very difficult to actually prove what your your worth on paper, but it's it's kind of an you kind of know if you're getting paid what you're worth or not. Yeah, and I, I think that's what that's what you I'm trying to figure know. out is is it like a a feeling that you just like understand and know that I'm worth more than um, whatever it is I'm getting paid in this certain role, or is it? Um, that's a baseline. It, I mean, I would use use that as a baseline, but uh, yeah, I, I you know. The, the question I ask people when we go to hire them is, what do you need? What do you need? What do you yeah. need? What are you worth? They give you a number and you're like, okay, like we'll, we'll know if you're, if you're worth that or not pretty soon. Mm-hmm. And, and that's where we start. I know construction companies don't have that freedom because again, they're going up against everybody else that's paying yeah. the same. And so they need to stay within market. But I mean, if you're a project engineer delivering twice as much as the next guy, there's no reason why you shouldn't get paid over market. Well, and especially when when that statistic becomes clear. That's like if you really if you're delivering that much more, that becomes clear that you're worth more than, you know, whatever. Yeah. But this is this is where it, it's extreme ownership. Getting paid more yeah. is your responsibility. And uh, you know, hopefully your employer recognizes your value and rewards you for it. But ultimately, it's on you. If you want to make more money, it's your fucking responsibility. And every wealthy person I've ever known, and I've known a lot of them now, I grew up around a lot of them, I do business with a lot of them now, they have made it happen on their own. Mm-hmm. They have not sat around and waited for someone to recognize their value. They've gone out and made it happen. Yep. And that goes for anybody. Well, great question, Joe. Fantastic. Yeah. I, I love this subject. I love money. I'm glad someone talked about money. I mean, I think I've I've learned a lot just being part of the Build Bit team when we have those conversations. I think the first one we had, I had like, had like some anxiety. I was like, why are we talking about this? People are and I've, now I've it's sort of like, that. well, this is how we run our company. Yeah, I've I've noticed new people are are uncomfortable. Yeah, with the first first call, and then they start to see how we operate things, and they become more and more used to it. But it's so. It's like such a forbidden topic elsewhere that, yeah, when we talk about it, it makes people uncomfortable at first, which is pretty crazy. I mean, but I think it empowers us to like take ownership of those decisions in a way that, you know, and you've, you've said that the reason you are transparent with that is because we all have to make decisions regarding money with the business. And if we don't understand the, the finance, how are we going to make as informed decisions as as opposed to if we did know all those things. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's, it's like, I mean, the best analogy I've been, able, I've been able to think about is like, it's like I'm coaching a team and I have access to the score, but no one else does. Just the coaches That's have access one. to yeah. the scoreboard. And so I have to inspire the team like, hey guys, we need to hurry up, but I can't say if we're winning or losing. And you can maybe infer that because I'm saying we need to hurry up, we might be losing. And, and so we need to catch the other team, but you're like, well, I don't know by how much and like how, how, how do I know where we need to go? And, and that's how most businesses are run, which is crazy. Mm-hmm. It's, it's the guy up top has access to the scoreboard and no one else knows what the hell the score is. 
I just don't, obviously many businesses are doing it because that's norm. I just, I don't even know how. I couldn't even imagine operating our business like that. Yeah, if, it does feel strange. I think um, if I were to ever work somewhere else and not have that sort of transparency and flexibility, you'd probably it'd probably it go the other strange. way. Now. Yeah, you'd probably be uncomfortable. Be like, why won't you tell me how much this contract it was worth? Exactly, because then I don't know how much I'm supposed to give to it. And I, I that's been an issue I think in the past for me. Maybe not quite like as as specific as that, but. There have been plenty of situations where it's like, well, I've been working on this project because you said that's what we're supposed to work on, but you never communicated that. Well, they're only really paying this. We're only going to do this much work on it. It's like, yeah, but you didn't tell me that. And so now I'm having to make up other things because there's just, there's been no communication through that. And that is not a problem at BuildWit. No, it helps. We've got plenty of other things we are always working out, but the like, what are we supposed to be working on? You know, where are we going? That's always been clear. No, and uh, even just knowing big picture finances, it 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 educates our people to just be more financially savvy, so that they can be more financially savvy in their personal lives. Yeah, and and hopefully you're more financially savvy today than you were when you started working here. Probably true. And then it allows you just to know where the team's at as a whole. It's like, hey, if we're kicking ass. Hell yeah. Like I'm excited to be kicking ass and like you've seen our growth, like revenue growth. And you're like, okay, like this is sick. So even if you're not making those day-to-day decisions based on money, you at least know that, hey, all of my effort is really contributing to something bigger than me. Mm-hmm. And this is exciting. Heck yeah, man. But what do I know? <laughs> so that's it for questions, huh? That's it for questions. Um, you want to talk about this week's guest? This week's guest is... Our friend, the English Earth Mover, Mr. Michael, down in Australia. I stayed up late the other night to record this podcast since he's uh, 13 hours ahead of, of me here in Nashville. And he has one hell of a, a career uh, and has had one hell of a career. He's, he's an operator out in Australia. Uh, he's worked for mining contractors and now one of the big big mining companies. And he's operated a lot of big gear in a lot of big places and just seen a lot. So it was a awesome conversation. I really enjoyed it. And I think you all will too. It's going to be a good one. Yeah. I have the fortune, I have the fortune to say that because I think they're all good, but well, I mean it every that, time that bias is okay. I'm okay with it. That's fair. Yeah. Cool. Well, I think that's it. I think this is a podcast. Is that a podcast? It might be a podcast. Usually we call it a podcast when we start bullshitting about something random like school bus seatbelts oh, or yeah. <laughs> something that is not good content. Yeah, it, it always ends up being something stupid, but I feel like we kind of saved right in, the, right in the lines today. I feel good. Okay, good. Uh, I guess we'll wrap it up by saying uh, if you have questions, comments, concerns, always send them to dirttalk at buildwit.com. That's the podcast email. Uh, these are unbelievable questions. I'm, so good. I'm actually I'm very pleased and impressed by the questions we're, we're receiving. If you have uh, guests you want to see on the podcast, I know Michael was one of them that Mm -hmm. was suggested a few weeks ago. Uh, Please send Alex a note. He'll get it into the schedule. Hopefully get that person on. We'd love to have a little bit of, um, I don't know, just just reach and interaction with the people that listen to the podcast. So we want to make sure we're giving you what you want. And that's it. 
continue to share the podcast. We appreciate you listening and we'll see you on the next episode of Dirt Talk. Till then, stay dirty. Stay dirty.